You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. All right. Uh, welcome, Lauren. Uh, thanks for being a guest on the podcast here. Um, we wanted to learn a little bit more about your background and how you got into um, nonprofit work and volunteering and also your ISE background. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Well, I'm not the normal guest because I don't have 20 years of experience. That's perfect. That's, <laughs> but uh... I, I'm excited to kind of talk about how I got to this point and um, how I'm trying to get started in um, lean for nonprofits. And I think there's a lot of people in that situation is they're maybe new to it or they have a little bit of experience, but they're hesitant to want to get started. And um, I think your story will be really good to help them figure out what are some next steps I could take. So this will be great. Good. Um, so I graduated um, from Purdue University in 2014 with a degree in industrial engineering. I actually also have a minor in psychology because I, I liked um, that piece of it as well. And when I wrote my essay to get into Purdue, I wrote about how I wanted to use engineering to help people. Um, but then when I graduated, uh, the job offers that I was getting was mostly in manufacturing, uh, which was very different from what I originally thought I wanted to do, but they were great opportunities. Um, so I went ahead and took a job um, in manufacturing where I was able to implement lean, and, but really a lot of it was managing people, uh, which is a skill that you need in every type of work that you're going to do. Um, so that was a ton of really good experience, but it just wasn't what I was passionate about. Um, I couldn't get behind the numbers or the, the different pushes for productivity, just it wasn't um, kind of what drives me. And so when I was in college, I um, went to Haiti on a short-term mission trip just for a week during spring break. And I stayed involved with that organization. I was able to be on the board of directors for a little bit and just saw the organization grow. And there was an opportunity to um, go down and help them set up their professional school, which was going to be for students who um, maybe weren't succeeding in classic school, but still uh, wanted to get a profession um, so that they'd be able to, you know, support themselves and stuff like that. And so I went and I lived in Haiti for a year and two months. And um, that was back in 2018. Um, and that was like, the most crazy experience, as you can imagine, trying to move things forward, but not understanding the culture, the language, anything. And, and so while we did make some progress, a lot of it um, didn't really stick, but um, it was a learning experience for sure. And so through that, I actually got um, to be on the cover of the um, industrial, um, the Institute of Industrial Engineers magazine about that work. And that's how we got in contact because you asked me to write a chapter in your Lean for Good book. And I was like, 
oh no, <laughs> I'm qualified. <laughs> I'm not qualified for that. Um, although I was very honored. Um, a lot of the work I did, like I said, it it was good. It just didn't stick. And so I, I didn't feel like I was ready to um, tell people how to do it. Um, but like I said, I learned a lot from that. And I was kind of more put on that track of, hey, you know, nonprofits need a lot of help and a lot of what um, I did in manufacturing can be applied to, to nonprofits. And so when I came back from Haiti, I got another job in manufacturing, but just the same feeling of, you know, it wasn't what I wanted. And so um, this past July, I quit. Um, and I've kind of been on this journey of volunteering and kind of figuring out what the next step is for me if, if I can um, figure out this um, lean consulting for nonprofits. That's great. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of, um, I think back to some of my work, and there's a lot of stuff that didn't stick, you know, and I think that's very common. It's, it's you're trying to drive change, and you're not there, you're not the manager, you're not supervising, you're having to influence. And so it's, it's still left up to the individuals to decide how much they want to embrace and, and it's, it's difficult. And it's not, it's not easy work. And it's, I think that's something that you have to get comfortable with is that there's going to be a lot of losses along the way, <laughs> or I wouldn't say losses, but you know, just like not making the progress or getting the results that you think is there. Um, you just have to get used to that. In in Haiti, yeah, in Haiti, it was a lot of just lack of resources, like just didn't have what was needed to, to keep the stuff in place. Is there any um, particular things that you, even if it didn't stick, that you could share just as an example for people? What were the things yeah. you were working on? Um, so when I was in Haiti, a, a lot of the stuff I got to do was just um, meeting with the students. And so um, I got to meet with all, all a few of the students um, that I had already gotten to know because I had been involved in the organization for six years. And so I had um, gotten to know these students. So I got to sit down with them and do short-term and long-term goal setting, which was super cool um, to kind of, see what their dreams were um, and but then like what are some realistic steps that they could put in place to reach those dreams so you know everybody wants to be a professional soccer player but what what realistic steps can you put in place to get there or what's maybe something else that is related to that that's more achievable once you start putting those steps in place you're like okay what's the real is this realistic and so how can we kind of make this into something that is going to be more realistic so that was a really cool takeaway from from that time um but right currently what i'm doing is uh, a lot of volunteer work with different local nonprofits. um so just using some different connections that i have uh, to go into nonprofits and say, hey, this is um, what my degree is in. I'm working on um, my Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. Uh, this is what I have to offer. Like, how can I help your organization? Um, and people have been super receptive to that. 
uh, I was a little nervous at first, but we had a conversation and you said to me, like, yeah, you might not know everything, but you know more than the people that you're going to help, which was like a huge encouragement. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out, but you can go and, and give your time. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the skills you bring there is not something most people have as, you know, I, th I would say that there's there's some basics there that people have. There's, I'm sure a lot of people that volunteer that have leadership skills and that they have organization skills, you know, just this does, this seems disorganized. We can make it a little more structured, you know, and I think there's some natural improvements that people put in place and, um, you know, trying to bring in the voice of a customer into the discussion and say, you know, it seems like they're struggling or frustrated with this. We can fix that. But I think when you start looking a little deeper into the next level of improvements with flow and batching and, and triggers and, you know, uh, poll systems and engaging people, that's where it gets a little bit beyond most people's skill set. And I think that's where um, the, the, the additional skills we can bring to the table there is that connectivity across the processes and say there's handoffs here that are very inefficient. And so even if this looks like it's running good, it's not helping the overall system run very well. And and why are we doing this? You know, in the first place, let's not try to improve something that we shouldn't even be doing in the first place. So I yeah. think some of those things is what the typical volunteer would not necessarily have for a skill set. So I think that's I'm glad to hear that you're getting a lot of positive feedback and interest. Um, and I've had that same experience that it's usually been pretty uh, interested to say, yes, we want to think about our processes differently. It's great to have a set of hands, but also someone who could step back and look at how the work we're doing a little differently. Yeah. And I think, you know, getting started in that the first few places that I went to, um, I would walk in and be like, hey, how can I help you? Um, and we would just get started. And I learned that while that's good and while that's going to make them happy, um, I you need to take that time to step back and be like, okay, how can we measure what your current state is? Because um, I'm the type of person that's just like, all right, let's get nice to meet you. Let's get started. Um, but taking that step back and being like, okay, what like volunteers, how many volunteers are you using total hours? Is that your struggle? How can we cut that? And making sure that you're really going in and quantifying what the current state is so that when you do implement something new, you're able to say, hey, this is the this is what we were able to accomplish because um, I volunteer for an organization and I help them implement a app that they're using to track their furniture donations. And the big need was some of their volunteers were not going to have the time. And so they needed to come up with a solution that was going to um, make it so that they were able to keep offering that to people with fewer volunteers. Um, but I didn't do the work up front to track, you know, I can always go back and do it, but um, I didn't track, you know, how many volunteer hours they were using for this or any other metrics. And so at the end of the day, they have this app that works great. But when I go and tell people about that, I can only say, oh, they love it. Like this is, this is good for them. But there's no like, oh, I was able to help save 
you know, 10 volunteer hours a week, which is really the meat of what we do. Yeah, to being able to quantify the, the improvements and not just, you know, for us to say this is, this stuff works and this is, can be used at anywhere across your organization, but um, even for the team members to say like, they see that positive reinforcement of, wow, 10 hours, I didn't even, I knew it was better, but that's huge. Like, where else can we, you know, I never imagined there was 10 hours to save there and we got that. So what else could we do? But you're right. If, if you don't have that to compare to, it's, uh, it's just not as impactful and it doesn't get the excitement built up for other improvements that are out there. Right. And this is something that, you know, I'd love to do long term. And if I don't take the steps now to set up um, those measures, I'm not going to be able to sell it in the future. So just taking that pause and being like, okay, which that's standard practice, but when you're actually in it, sometimes it's harder, harder to do. Yeah. And you want to show that I am helpful and this stuff works and you want to jump right into it. And that's very natural. I mean, I think, I think that's a challenge for most people, even in who do improvement work that it's so you want to jump right in and uh, it's, it's, it's hard to step back and slow down and say, hold on, let's, let's figure out where we're at first and make sure that we really understand the problems and, and even for our own benefit coming in new and not knowing what exactly their processes are. Because we don't want to assume that we know just because, oh, I've seen this before, but that, that will not go over well. They'll think that you don't really know. And so you have to put in some time to show that you do understand and you've deep dived into how they do things. And it's not just you're taking someone else's process and dumping it onto theirs. That will never go over well. But yeah, so I think that's a common thing too, is just thinking we don't have time. We got this problem. We have to go solve that problem. They're struggling and we'll, you know, who cares if we solve this problem, but it does help in the long run when you have that to say, this was the benefits we got there. Yeah. And I think too, like one of the benefits of lean is like going in without the answer and questioning everything and taking those, that time to ask the right questions, because if you go in and you're like, oh, this is going to be like you were saying, like copy and paste, this is going to be your solution. I, I already know. Um, but that's not going to get you the actual best result. And I think work, one of the benefits of having not really a nonprofit background, but a more elite background is being able to go in, be like, hey, help me understand what, what it is you guys do and how I can be helpful instead of coming in being like, all right, here are my solutions, pick one and let's let's go. I, I found that um, people are more receptive in general when you're asking questions and trying to understand versus coming in saying, hey, this is going to be your best solution. Let's go ahead. Listen to me. I'm the expert. Let's go ahead and, and start implementing it. Um, I just found that it, it's just better all around when you have more of that mindset of questioning. Um, as opposed to to being an ex an expert yeah i think that's you know um to understand where their challenges are because you can you know we can all see 
lots of opportunities and it's like we could go under different directions with this and so you know it really does need to come from them to say where are you most struggling right now so that when we work on something it's important to you it's not just you know the 20th of 35 projects you got going on i want this to be the number one or number two project you have on your list in an area that's most important so that you're gonna put the time into it and this effort's gonna be worthwhile and it's not just gonna be you know lost or buried or forgotten about when as soon as you walk away uh, so that's always a challenge yeah I found that the same thing is true when I've been trying to get advice on what I'm doing, just like going to people and saying like, hey, have, you've done this before, what are your struggles, what, what's worked for you, what hasn't, and like, I've messaged so many people on LinkedIn, and you know, some get back to me and some don't, but the ones that do are super helpful, they want to give me advice and, and help me, which has been amazing. Yeah, that, we have a really great community of uh, process improvement support people, um, especially like on LinkedIn and things like that, that are just always, I mean, I think you get into this work and you realize there's a lot to learn and everyone has expertise, but they also have a lot of things that they don't get yet. And I have a whole list of things I have gaps on that I'm trying to close, but uh, I'll never get there. You know, it's just so much stuff to learn. and you realize like it's difficult like the the tools are one thing but then the you know going in and dealing with specific situations and when you said you had a psychology minor I, I thought that's a very good compliment to what we do because there's a lot of things that are like on paper this is very straightforward but the reality is there's a whole lot of dynamics at play here with personalities and outside influences and personal life issues that get in the way of, of making changes in people's work. So I think that's, um, I, th I think I had a class called like work psychology or something. And I, I found that very interesting too. It was, it was non-technical stuff around how do you deal with people in a, in a workplace setting and a very yeah, important like skill. Yeah, like motivates them and stuff like that. I had a class like that too. Yeah, and it goes back to like, going to the org you said kind of jumping right in but also kind of taking a step back to say you know what is driving a lot of these processes and sometimes it is the you know the influence of the management and what they're what they think is important versus how the process work and that can be the conflict is that there's a misalignment between process goals and organizational goals and if you don't know that you're always going to be battling this resistance there that's like it doesn't seem like why wouldn't you go forward with these changes and it's like because there's something in the way there at a higher level that you're not aware of yeah i definitely learned that with volunteering you have to make sure you know what level you're getting in at and that the levels above or below support that so i volunteered for another organization and i was meeting my contact was um the director of the different um, outreach that they do. And um, their problem was they had different tier levels of volunteers. And so um, they had a bunch of bottom tier one volunteers who are, you know, giving up resources um, and 
a little bit of time, but the need was for the top two and three level volunteers, which is a very intense, um, dedicated volunteer. Um, and they just weren't able to get those people. But the, the lady I was meeting with, she's not in charge of recruiting the volunteers. Like that's not, she's in charge of running uh, the different programs that they have. And so we got to the point where she was like, honestly, I, I need the volunteers to run my programs. And so I was like, well, how, how are we, how are you getting these level, different level of volunteers? And she was like, honestly, I don't know. And so we were discussing, you know, a flow of a process flow of recruiting. So are people being recruited at those top tiers? Are they being recruited at one and then transitioning? Um, and so once we talked through that, she was able to go back to um, the the director that is in charge of recruiting and just be like, hey, can you explain this flow to me? And she kind of had uh, some different words that she didn't use normally had because we had talked um, so that she could understand how they were doing the recruiting. And they got to the point where they decided they needed to, as an organization, look at what their messaging was and make sure that it was clear and consistent throughout the whole organization. Um, and then at that point, that's something I have no expertise in. Like, I, I don't know how to create a, a good, clear recruiting message. And so I kind of took a step back and said, um, like, I don't, I don't think I can really be helpful to you in this point, but I'd be happy to maybe tackle something else with you. Um, but just understanding where you are in the organization and what it's the same as like the key stakeholders. So who are your key stakeholders? Um, what input, input do they have? And how do you kind of get them involved with where you're at? Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's really important. It sounded like to me, you're basically helping them find the bottleneck and find out what's important. And it's not obvious, especially in some of these processes that, you know, if you go into manufacturing, you see a pile of stuff. It's like very clear, there's something wrong there. Yes. Um, and your workflows, you don't see their inbox and their, uh, the how many rec recruiting or how many volunteers are in their workflow at different stages of the flow and where they're at in their journey as a volunteer from level one to two and three. And it's not visual. So you can't just look at something very often and say, oh, there's your bottleneck. You have 72 people stuck at level one. And then yeah. there's only 10 at level two. There's obviously something holding back for people going for the level two. It's not that obvious until you kind of work through and understand what they're trying to accomplish and then be able to somehow figure out where those are at, but it's not visual. So I think that's very powerful to help bring that skill to them and at least point them in the right direction and then say, okay, that's all I can do. Now it's uh, you need an expert at this one area, but at least we're now focused in the right area, which is huge. Are you interested in learning more about Lean and Six Sigma? Or are you looking to expand your existing skills to apply them to environmental impacts at your work or in the local community? Check out our free online course called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment on thinkific.com. We'll teach you about the Lean Forms of Waste and Waste Walks, which stands for Water, Air Emissions, Solid Waste, Toxins, and Energy. We'll go over examples of reducing electricity and solid waste. 
teach you how to involve your facilities and environment safety and health personnel. We'll provide guidance on how to green your 5S and lean Kaizen events and many other tools specific to finding environmental opportunities. Learn more at LeanSixSigmaEnvironment.org. So if you, if you were interested in getting started with a nonprofit and you have a little bit of process improvement background, what would be your recommendations or thoughts for someone to get started? Like, should they, how should they approach a nonprofit? Should they look for one in particular? Do you start as a volunteer? Do you reach out to the directors? If you can give a little bit of uh, your thoughts so far as you've been trying to do this um, approach, what's been working for you or what doesn't, hasn't worked very well, <laughs> maybe that would help people who are interested in something like this. Um, I think the biggest thing is find an organization that you agree with that are do, is doing something that you're passionate about that you want to help because, you know, sometimes it's easy to walk in and have really good access to the director. Maybe they're there all the time doing the hands-on stuff, but sometimes they're the ones at behind the desk making the big calls. And so it really depends on what the organization is that you're trying to get involved with. And if it's something smaller, then I would say, yeah, you could definitely walk in um, or send an email. You can find contact information online, super easy, and just explain you know, who you are and, and what you want to help them with. And as what's worked for me is just going in and being like, hey, what's your pain point? What's something that you struggle with on a daily basis that takes up way more time than you have? Um, instead of being, instead of like we talked about before, coming in and being like, hey, I have this pre-made solution for you. Um, let me talk to you about how to implement it. Um, just having that like hey, I'm, I'm here, I have these skills and I want to help, um, I think goes a really long way. Um, but for some organizations, you don't have that access. And so um, it might be starting with just volunteering, building relationships, because uh, sometimes it takes those really good relationships to build the trust, to be able to let you implement something, um, especially if it's a bigger organization, um, they're not gonna just let anyone come in and change all their processes that have been working uh, so well. Uh, so I think it, it just really depends, um, but starting small is gonna be easier and you're gonna be able to see more of an impact sooner. Um, and you'll probably have a little bit more um, rain over over what you're doing versus a, a bigger organization. So that's what's worked for me is, is starting with the smaller organizations and going in and just saying, like, these are my skills. I'd like to, to use them to help you. Um, other things that have really helped me is um, just using the network that I already had. Um, so reaching out to you, um, I listened, you know, to your podcast and found a few other people that you've interviewed that I've reached out to. Um, and I've, I have, you know, friends from school that have contacts, um, just using the, the network that I've already created to just ask anybody for advice. You know, consulting is you're trying to sell some, something to an organization that they don't know that they need. And so whether it's um, 
clean or something else, um, it's very similar. So reaching out to people who are already in consulting, like, hey, how did you sell your idea? And getting, um, asking those kinds of questions and where did you start? What setbacks did you have? Uh, that's just been very successful for me. So, so if someone's starting new, that you recommend go find an organization that you have some interest in, um, can trying to connect to a executive director or someone in, who has a leadership role there and trying to get in that way through, um, you know, trying to explain your skills and, and see if you can get a meeting or something set up with them to kick it off and then try and figure out where you could be helpful and, and do you give them a little bit of overview of your skills and, and try to explain like through past examples or your ISE background, what you bring to the table? I usually start with past examples, which, um, you know, where those numbers and quantifying results definitely comes in handy because it's a much easier sell um, if you have that um, as opposed to just like, hey, I did this and they really liked it and it worked. And then once you're kind of in, in, engaged there, is there... How, what's worked well for you in terms of like time frame? Are you going there regularly for a while? Is it less, uh, how often, I guess, when you do get some kind of momentum going, is it like a weekly thing or a couple hours at a time, or is it every day for a while? Uh, what's, what seems to work well? Just because I think that's, that's one thing people will be a little concerned about. What am I committing to? How much time am I trying to do I need to have available or how much are they expecting from me as a volunteer? Is this going to be another job or is this going to be a little bit of coaching here and there? Yeah, I think um, at first, when you first meet with them and you're, you know, gathering the data, um, it's going to be a lot more because um, there's, you know, you're going to have to talk to the volunteers. You're going to have to talk to um, different people at different levels, maybe board of directors, um, to kind of figure out where the, the pain point is. And um, I think you can make it as much or as little as you want, because there are, there's so many, once you get in and really start looking, there's, you're going to find something that needs fix, needs help. Um, and so just knowing your limits, and what, how much time you have available. Uh, for me, what I'm doing is just once a week. Uh, so I'm volunteering with three organizations. And so each one has a different day that I work on stuff for them with. Um, and that could just be a few hours. It could be, you know, it could be more monitoring if that's what, what's needed. Um, but I have that, that luxury to, to be able to do that at this point. Um, I don't know if that's always going to be the case. So I think it's just understanding your, you can make it what you want, just understanding what, you, what your availability is um, as far as time-wise. And I think the key is not to overcommit because if you say, you know, I can, I can set up this whole what, I don't know, website or something, whatever, whatever's needed, and then you don't have the time or the skills to do that, then you're going to be disappointed and they're going to be disappointed because you said you could do something that you can't. 
And so I think it's really understanding what your skills are um, and being able to communicate that clearly to the organization. Um, like, hey, I, I wanna help you, but this is what I'm able to help with and really clearly defining uh, the problem and what solutions you're gonna help offer them. And it might be just a suggestion that they have to go implement, or it could be um, like I've created Google Forms, which is something that I have prior experience with. It's pretty easy to do. Um, so I'm able to see that to completion, whereas in other um, situations, it's been, hey, you need to create um, some sort of onboarding and I can give you a framework, but I'm not going to be able to sit down and, and put together each step of this onboarding process that you need. Um, so just making sure that you're very clearly defining what, what it is you're going to offer, be able to offer the organization. I think that's pretty, pretty common too, because I know I can think back to projects I worked on where, yeah, it got to a point and then it's like, hey, this has got to go to a whole nother group, whole nother department. And that's not really anywhere near my skill set there. Like we're going to change out the HVAC settings. It's like, that is, I can't really help you with that. I mean, I could watch and observe how you're doing that and maybe give you some tips on how to do that a little more efficiently, but uh, it's completely off, you know, out of my skill set range. The other things I've done though, is like, I'll set up the data collection forms. I'll set up the charting and the reporting on the back end. Uh, I've done a little programming. I can do that part. Um, so this can help us accelerate versus we have to go get a bid from the IT group and stuff. So that's been nice when I've had certain skills I've been able to bring to the table to do some of that work. But um, then that's uh, that's not always the case. So um, I think that's going to be pretty typical as you run into things where you can help a little bit further. And then other times you have to hand it off to more experts. Yeah, I've realized that um, SOPs are a big part of, of this, just being like, hey, this is what needs to be done. And I can tell you the process. Um, that needs to be followed, but you're you're going to have to be the one that that implements it and follows it. My experience has been too that there's not there's a lot of some not let's say simple, but there's a lot of things that don't require a lot of complex solutions for. Like you said, SOPs a perfect example. A lot of them know they want these documents. They've have it on their list of to-dos and they just cannot get around to doing it amongst everything else. It's like a nice to have, mm -hmm. or it's a proactive thing, a, po a thing that they should do. And they know it's something that they need to do, but it's just going to follow the bottom of the list of priorities most of the time. So I think that's something else that where we can step in is I can, I can follow that process and I can sketch out what I think the flow is and then have the experts review it. And tweak it and and have someone else try it out as a new volunteer and see if they can follow that documentation so it's not a difficult task to do but it's something that just is not urgent for the teams but they they know they want it and they are happy to have it but they're not going to put the time in because it's it's a daunting task to put things together even like screenshots of computer um t tasks that have to be done or um yeah, just any rudimentary processes that just are not written down anywhere. 
I think that's a skill that is important for us in improvement and something that's usually lacking in a lot of organizations, not just nonprofits either. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, yeah, for, for most people, I think they'll find that there is a lot that they can actually help with. Um, but it's okay if they don't know how to do everything. That's not what our role really is. It's to help, I think, get people to start thinking about that, carving out time, looking at their processes in a new way, and then making sure they're focused on the right key areas. And maybe there are solutions we can provide to them or um, point them in the right direction at least. And, and even just follow-up, I think, is a really important part of, of the volunteering to say, how is it going? What do you need help with? Where, how are you, how's that last thing we did? Is that working for you? Do we need to change it? You know, I think that's a really important skill that we can help with too. Yeah, definitely. Any other examples or things you wanted to share? Nonprofits, they all deal with the same issues where the supply is limited. So like you don't have a limited, you don't have an endless number of volunteers. You don't have an endless amount of money that you can spend. And so a lot of the directors are just like grinding every day, trying to pull people to come volunteer, trying to stretch their dollar to um, make that impact. Um, and it's usually their goals are like amazing stuff that's needed in the community. And that's so up. I don't think it's, uh, I don't have like any specific example, but it, it's, for me, it's really just like, I was able to help this director use two less volunteers. And so instead of them spending hours of their day trying to track down volunteers, they're able to actually uh, focus on moving the organization forward. And so I think, um, knowing that what I bring to the table is taking the weight off of them so that they can go make that bigger impact is what really drives me. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it too. It's, it's um, you know, freeing them up to do the work that they signed up for, which is having an impact in their community. Yeah, because a lot of directors and people that get into nonprofits are there because they're passionate about the people they're serving. They're passionate about it. It's not because they're great at Google Docs or because they have a great mail merger program set up or it's not something like that, that the administrative stuff isn't what gets them to it, but then that's a lot of what ties them down. Um, and so just like talking with people and being able to offer, being able to work through solutions that like when they look at it, they're like, oh, this is going to give me so much time. That's really cool. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, a, a, another thing I'm noticing is there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the waste of overexertion, you know, where it's like people are, get, are burning out in these roles and the passion's there and they want to have an impact and the processes are bogging them down or getting in the way. And that's, um, you know, it's leading to, you know, I love this organization. I love what they do, but I can't for my own self-preservation, I can't keep going at this pace and at this rate and to deal with that. And I think they're losing a lot of good talent over the years because of some of the inefficiencies that are there. And so yeah. your point of freeing them up from some of that administrative burden so that they can get out there and get that rewarding experience of helping people and 
um, having an impact um, and leaving work on time, you know, and just having a balance there between their work and life. Um, I think that's what other things we can bring to the table that uh, won't show up on the bottom line of the organization, but until you see like long-term turnover and things like that, where you do see an impact or even just volunteer retention, that you're not burning out the volunteers either. They're not even staff, but they don't want to come back because it was over overburdening of, of what was being asked of them, you know, running a whole program when there's no structure there to do it and they just have to figure it out. That's, that's draining. So I think that's a lot of things we can assist with too. Yeah, definitely. And a good learning experience <laughs> for sure. How can people get a hold of you if they wanted to seek your help or, or learn more about what you've done in the past or network with you? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, just Lauren Nieder. And then um, I just have a Gmail account. It's just my first and last name at Gmail. Um, it's my primary uh, way to contact me at this point. Okay. I'll put that in the notes for this uh, podcast. Uh, so it's Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N-N-E-D-E-R. Yes, at, at Gmail. At gmail.com, okay. And I'll put the LinkedIn profile there, link there. Do you have any other websites or anything else? Nope, not okay. point. Not yet. Not yet, we're working. <laughs> okay. We're on it. Great. Where are you based out of? Um, so I'm in Lynchburg, Virginia. Virginia, okay. What's that nearby in terms of like larger cities? Um, it's about two hours from Richmond and it's about, uh, three hours from DC. All right. So if anyone's in that area, please reach out to Lauren and. Yeah. I'd love to connect with anybody who is doing something similar or has any thoughts or ideas and just trying to be a sponge at this point and absorb as much as I can. Yeah. And I also wanted to remind everybody that on December we're going to have a nonprofit Zoom call, basically an unconference around lean and nonprofit. So if you're interested in joining that, I'll put a link in there too. It's a couple hours on a, I think it's a Tuesday afternoon. We're going to go through and um, just have open discussion with people like Lauren and myself to talk about these types of things and how we can band together and and uh, learn from each other and also see how we can expand this idea around helping out nonprofits. So I'll, I'll yes, put that I in there. Too. That. I saw that. Yep. So I think it's going to be a great, great discussion and hopefully the first of many discussions like that. So yeah, well, thank you for this opportunity to share my story and hopefully somebody learned a little bit. Um, but I think so. I think you had a lot of great lot things of to offer. Yeah. Thanks for your time and all your work you've done and, and good luck in the future. Thanks. Want to better organize your work area or bring 5S methods into your organization? Check out the 5S guide from Creative Safety Supply. You also get three free bonuses. Bonus number one, free 5S poster. Bonus number two, free 5S PowerPoint. And bonus number three, free 5S audit card. Go to leansixsigmaforgood.com slash 5S for the free downloads. They also provide floor tape markings, labels, signs, foam tool organizers, red tags, label printers, and other organization tools. Make sure you use code BPI at checkout to save 10%.